1: Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than the daily cycle of work, home, sleep, and repeat? Today's guest, Tom Rapsis, did, and it led him on a spiritual quest. After studying the teachings of Jesus, Buddhism, and Hinduism, and devouring self-help books and human interest stories, Tom came to the realization that wisdom is not found in a single magical book or from a particular religion or teacher, but rather from many sources. He joins us today to share some of what he's learned with the hope of inspiring others on their quest. Tom is a spirituality blogger who is the author of the book, Wake Up Call, Daily Insights for the Spiritually Curious. Welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, great to be here, Joan. Thank you.
1: Tom, I I want to start off by talking a little bit about your life before you began a spiritual journey. What was it like and what did you experience that made you wonder if there was more?
0: Yeah, sure. I, uh, I entered the professional world in, in, in my early to mid 20s, and uh, I've worked in advertising ever since. I've, I've been in advertising, well, about 40 years now. But uh, it was at that point, after a few years in the business, that I just began to wonder if there was more out there. Now, my life at that time, if I'm, I'm going to go back to the point where I really got into spirituality, I was in my early 30s, I was single. I was working a lot of hours. I was dating a lot of people. I was partying quite a bit. And it kind of struck me one day that this was not the best course for my life. And I had a friend give me a book, hand me a book. I can tell you the name of it. It was uh, In Search of the Warrior Spirit. And that book was about awareness training for Green Berets. And uh, it's funny. I hadn't read that. I haven't looked in that book. In over 30 years, I just picked it up again recently. But it was just trying to get these macho guys to have a greater awareness uh, of of, of how they acted and to try to develop their character a little bit. And there were some spiritual elements in in the book. Uh, They talked to meditation as well. And that was enough to get me going to say, hey, maybe there's more out there. This book kind of is pointing me in this direction. And that led to one book after another and really decades of study from there.
1: The life that you were living, advertising in New York City, I mean, that's really the definition of the rat race. It was competitive, I'm sure. It was fast-paced, and and it was to the, the excess. And so many of us, I believe, are living that type of life in different degrees. Do you think there are a lot of people that are experiencing the type of feelings that you had back then?
0: Yeah, sure. I, I mean I can identify the feeling like this. It's kind of an internal yearning. You've got this yearning for something more in life. And it can be hard to put your finger on what it is. And I think for some people that becomes dating and maybe sex. I'm gonna go I mean that's the yearning I want. I wanna date more people, I wanna go out with more people, or I wanna pursue uh success. I wanna go for the money. Um or maybe I want fame. I want to uh, in- increase my uh, social uh, uh, network um, viability, and I-, I want more followers. But we pursue these things, and I think we ultimately, or at least many of us, come up empty when we go down these paths. And it wasn't until I identified that yearning as possibly a spiritual yearning that I really, I think, began to you know find some of the answers I was looking for.
1: And I think, Tom, when people think about becoming more spiritual, they, they picture, uh, you know, a monk praying or that they have to have this major overhaul of their life. But really, we can become more spiritual in just the everyday things that we are doing.
0: Well, that, that's a great point, Joan, right there. Um, you know, I, I read this um, idea from Arthur Brooks, and it was it's the thought that our life is split up into four quarters. And from the ages of zero to 25, you know, say say we live to roughly 100 if we're blessed to live that long, the first quarter of our life is really all about learning. As we uh, grow up, as we learn a trade, as we go to college, we are learning. In that second phase, we really begin to pursue some of those things I talked about. We get caught up in this, uh, in the rat race, pursuing uh, money, pursuing career success pursuing, uh, you know, uh, romance, and we tend to forget about our spiritual nature. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I started getting into spirituality in my early 30s, it was almost in a compartment. I was still kind of pursuing this uh, career success and romantic uh, engagements, but I had this spiritual gig on the side, and, and, and it really took years for it to sink in. For to really, um, I'd say uh, steer where I was headed in life, and make me realize that that really these other things I'm pursuing are secondary, and that if I can kind of cure this spiritual itch, life gets better.
1: A lot of people go on these quests, and you know, like I was saying, they think that it has to be this major overhaul. But they don't find what they're looking for because they're always looking out there for something. Do you think that that's the reason they come up short, because they're not looking within?
0: Well, that's a key, and I write about that quite a bit. You, you do have to look within. And, and, and just to follow up on, on the earlier question, You know, you and I, we're part of the world. We're out there engaged with the world. I I think it's pretty easy to maybe escape to a monastery somewhere or to go off on a retreat and kind of find uh, spiritual peace. But when you're part of the world, I I think the spirituality helps you. It it really helps everything you do in life. I I mean, there's a book I read. It's about a guy called Brother John It's it's a very good book And uh, I wrote a story about it called Brother John and the Purpose of Life And Brother John Lives out in a monastery He's a great man He takes care of the people around him Who live with him at the monastery Once a month they invite people To visit the monastery He greets them at the door And everyone says he's you know the warmest Most engaging, most loving person They've ever met But once he has those encounters, he goes back to life in the monastery, which is very regimented as far as what the daily routine is. I, I, I think what I try to do in, in the book and elsewhere is to let this spirituality inform my life. And I think once you begin, begin to go down this spiritual road, it has positive effects in a few ways. Uh, it helps clear the mind a little bit. It helps develop your character. It helps you set priorities about what's really important, what I should worry about, what I should be concerned about, and what's really secondary in life.
1: You were raised Catholic, and and so was I. And for me, for a, a pretty great part of my life. It was like I had spirituality with something out there, like an arm's length away. And for me, it was like about religion. It was the rules. And, you know, if you've ever been to a Catholic mass, it's like you stand, you sit, you kneel, you repeat. And I wasn't feeling it. And, you know, I often wonder if that's what holds some people back as well, because we confuse religion with spirituality. We think that they're two separate things.
0: Yeah. I mean, going back to my upbringing, uh, I mean, I, I was raised a Catholic, uh, went to church the first 18 years of my life every Sunday, attended catechism through eighth grade, which are weekly religious classes. But there really wasn't any context for it. It wasn't spoken about in my home. You kind of went and spent your hour on Sunday and in religious classes, maybe an hour on Wednesdays. But outside of that, it really didn't have much bearing. And I think what happens in the case of religion is too many people kind of outsource their spirituality to the church. They believe that if they go to church on Sunday, it absolves them of all sins and makes them a better person. But I think with time, I kind of came to the realization that church is sort of a middleman between us and our spiritual nature, that we don't have to look outside ourselves at the church for guidance, we can actually find this same guidance within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we have to, I mean, we can't just say I'm spiritual and then go about our daily life. We really have to develop what I call a spiritual practice. So we have to pay attention to what's going on inside. And there's a few different paths to take with that spirituality. Certainly church is one of them. And for a lot of people, church does work. So if, if, if that does uh, help your spiritual nature, great. For a lot of us, we don't get a lot out of church. So we need to develop our spirituality in other ways. And, and I, I can say going back to when I first started getting into spirituality, I quickly realized at the same time I took up running. And, and running was kind of the escape that I had that kind of got me in touch with what was going on around me. But there's many other ways to engage that spiritual nature. Uh, Meditation is one that we can talk about. It's spiritual reading. It's for me, each morning, I get up in the early morning hours, get the coffee going, and sit with a cup of coffee in front of a fireplace this time of year or out on my back porch looking out at at woods at other times of the year. But we just need to spend that time alone in contemplation, in quietude, where we're really looking within ourselves and really trying to get past the ego, the chattering mind, to what really matters.
1: It's learning how to find God, no matter where we are.
0: Yes, you you, you use the G word there that I haven't used that. I mean, God higher power, kind
1: of a, whatever whatever yes, it means to you.
0: I, I I agree, and and it's funny some people recoil when I will mention the word God. But I I think that depends on your definition of God. And my definition of God has certainly changed since I was raised in the Catholic Church. During that time and for years and years afterward, God to me was that stereotypical guy up in the clouds sitting on a throne in robes, long beard, looking down and judging my every move. But as you begin to study a little more, even within the Christian faith, you see the definition kind of changes a little bit. I mean, there's a theologian by the name of Paul, uh, Paul Tillich, and he says that uh, God is not being. God is not a being. God is being itself. And uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson touched on that as well. He said, you know, God is a part and particle of life. God is everywhere. There's a, even a biblical passage that says, you know, pick up a stone and you will find me there. So I think God really is life and God permeates our life. And I think when we have these moments, when we can quiet ourselves and, and I talked about my morning cup of coffee in front of the fireplace, we realize that I think that God or this divine force, we can call it, um, is everywhere.
1: Tom, from this journey and from your column, would you share with us maybe one or two of the biggest lessons that you've learned that have impacted your life?
0: Sure. Um, I, I'll, I'll talk first in a general nature and then with, and then specifically. Um, in a general nature, I've written many stories about Thomas More. Thomas More is the author of Care of the Soul. That was the first uh, big book he put out. He's since put out maybe 10 other books about uh, various aspects Of soul and life. He's done the soul and work, the soul and sex, the soul and religion. But I I think he raises this important idea that we have, all of us have within us, a soul. And he explains it in great and beautiful detail over many books. And this soul has nothing to do with what the ego or what the world wants from us. The soul is who we are at our or, I think of the soul if I'm looking at a house, you know, our, 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 our ego or our thinking brain is maybe the house. Our spirit is up in the uh, attic. The soul is in the basement. It's the foundation of the house. It's who we are at our core. And we really have to listen to the soul. If, if you want a satisfying, contented life, you've got to get in touch with that side of yourself, this deeper inner part of yourself and what it wants. And what it wants may not be what society wants from you, what your parents want from you, but it's what you are here for, what what you really should pursue in this life. So uh, it's hard to, to pick one Thomas More story. I've written about you know, several of his books, and I, I think any of them are, are fantastic in exploring the soul uh, and the role it plays in your life. Um, if I had to go to one specific story, and... Uh, Joan, I thought you might ask this question. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is when I put out this new book, I I had over 500 columns to pick from. I had to cut down to what turned out to be 112. So it was a rough cut to get to that number. So they're all sort of my babies. I love them all. They all, I think, have a valuable message to offer. If I had to pick one, um, there's an author by the name of Michael Singer. I've written about him a couple times. He had a book out called The Untethered Soul. And what he talks about there is really dealing with and quieting the ego. And uh, the title that's, of that story was How to Shush the Critical Voice in Your Head. And that critical voice um, he refers to as as the roommate. And it, a lot of us have allowed sort of this roommate to move into our, our headspace. And this roommate kind of directs us in life, tells us to do this, do that, and very frequently questions the choices we make, the things we do. And I think one of the most important things we can do in life is get this voice under control. I mean, if, if we live just listening to that voice, we can literally just drive ourselves crazy. But when we learn how to quiet that voice, and it can take some time, and we can talk about meditation and how that might help. When we can quiet that voice, we can get in touch with our innermost selves. We can get in touch with the soul. And I do think that the soul is, a direct, is directly linked uh, to the divine, to God. I mean, Richard Rohr has a quote that, that says, he says, I've, I found that when I really look to my deepest part of myself, I also find God there. So I do think there's a connection.
1: And just as a side note for our listeners, Thomas Moore has been a guest on the show a number of times, and so you can listen to those conversations. They're available through our podcast archives. The book is Wake Up Call, Daily Insights for the Spiritually Curious. Tom, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your work?
0: Uh, you can learn about me at my newly revised website, uh, tomrapsis.com, that I'll tell you a little more about the book and, uh, and my thinking behind the book besides that, I've been a longtime writer for Pathios. I write the wake-up call column. So if you type in wake-up call plus Pathos, or wake-up call plus my name, Tom Rapsis, it'll come up. And you can see uh, really basically, if you you dig deep enough, every story I've written, there's actually over 500 stories uh, posted there. And I do a new story every week. Every Wednesday or Thursday, there's a new story that comes out.
1: Tom, if you could kind of sum up the body of your work and, and give our listeners a takeaway, what would it be?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, as you know, I, I grew up on the Jersey Shore. Uh, I, I spent summers there and then lived there for many years. And if you've been at the Jersey Shore or I think really any beach for any length of time, uh, late in the day, you may see these guys with metal detectors. Usually old guys with floppy hats, and they have a metal detector on the beach, and they're looking for coins or rings or watches. And I, I, I consider myself kind of one of those guys, except with my detector, I'm not finding coins. I'm finding little bits of wisdom. And when I find these coins or rings, um, I don't pick them up and slip them in my pocket. I sort of hold them out and say, hey, look at this. I think this is interesting. And um, my attempt then is to, in each story I write, to just show this little bit of wisdom that I found, share it with others, and hopefully they can find a little bit of meaning in it. And granted, no one's going to find meaning in every story, but I think uh, a lot of my stories uh, do connect with my readers.
1: Tom, thank you so much for spending this time with us.